Hey, church. How are we? So we've been in this series of called A Generous Life, and this week is the last week. So some of you are like, praise Jesus, hallelujah. I'm ready to be done being convicted about giving. Hold on, this is the last series. Next week, we're starting a series called Need to Know. And we're partnering with Cedarbrook and uh, Mid-Current Church, kind of our partner churches along 94 here. And we are going to be walking through Hebrew words in the scriptures. Uh, So I'm excited for that series. Uh, It's going to be amazing. Uh, One last week on giving. (laughs) Someone's excited. In the last couple weeks, we've been talking through these ideas... That we are called to be stewards. That that everything that we have is from God. Given by God for us to enjoy and for us to steward in our life. To partner with Jesus in witnessing the kingdom of God here on earth. And so this morning, I want to kind of take a turn. We've been, we've been talking about kind of our, our head, our hearts, uh, what we think. And, and this morning, I want to take a turn and talk about how do we actually practice this. Uh, my son, Bram, uh, just graduated fifth grade. And uh, he'll be up here, I think, at the end of the summer. So this is one of the last times I can tell a story about him, and he, he won't know. Um, But my son, Bram, uh, he is, uh, some would say, intense when he has something on his mind that he wants. Right? Anybody have kids like this? Uh, I don't know where he gets it from, but if he wants something, if he has something on his mind, he's like, Dad, can we do this? Dad, can I do this? Dad, when can we go do this? Dad, 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 Dad. Like the definition of I'm planning to ask about this 500 times until you relent. Or give me a firm enough no that I actually believe. Right? Anybody? Maybe you're like this as a human being, as an adult. I don't know. Uh, But... uh, I was reminded about something because at the same time, he is relentless in his pursuit if he wants something. But he's also one of the most generous humans that I know. Right? Like, and this is a turn that he has. When he wants something, when he feels like he needs something, he is relentless to chase after it. And then a remarkable thing happens when he gets it. He's super generous. He, he's like, hey, when he gets a, a treat that he wants, he's always like, like he's relentless in his ass. But when he finally gets it and has it in his possession, he's like, hey, you want some? Yeah, this is really good. Try it. We went to Walmart last night because he, he wanted to go. Two nights ago. He wanted to go. He's bugging me, bugging me, bugging me. We get to Walmart and he's like, dad, I can use some of my money to buy you something. And I've been through this generosity series, like something just clicked for me in the way my son is. Like, do you catch it? When he feels like he has enough, he's one of the most open-handed people that I know. When he feels like he's lacking, 
He's one of the most relentless people I know to get what he wants. And I wondered if this is a picture of what we've been talking about. When we don't have our trust in our faith in God, when we believe that it's my job to gain everything, when it's my job to earn it, when it's my job to go out and get what I want, when I think the things that I'm going to get are going to satisfy me, we are relentless in our pursuit of them. It's the Ecclesiastes verse that I shared last week, right? You can either live one of two ways. You can live with two hands, grasping, trying to get, trying to get what you need. Or you can live like this. With one hand full of contentment. And the other hand open to give and receive freely and joyfully. I wonder if this is an image of you and I. That when we start to understand that we are in relationship with our Father, and in relationship with our Father, He gives good gifts. He provides. We don't have to worry. We can live like this instead of living like this. It opens us up to be generous. Because when I have my trust in the eternal Father who owns everything, and I get my meaning from Him, my identity from Him, my security from Him, I can live like this. I can be generous. Because it's not on me. And I realize that everything that I have comes from God. This morning I want to talk about the idea of practice. Because throughout all the scriptures, there's this, there's this idea, this heart, this way that we're supposed to live. And then there are ways that we can practice this, develop this in our life. Because you don't get a heart of generosity overnight. You practice it. You don't get this real intimate, close relationship with Jesus overnight. It's not like I pray, oh, Jesus, uh, I'm a sinner, forgive me, I'm going to follow you. And all of a sudden, you have this really close, intimate relationship with Jesus. No, it's something that you practice through prayer, through Bible study, through community. Same with a generous heart. You don't just get it, you practice it. In the first sermon in this series, I talked about, uh, I was talking to a young man who uh, had a very successful job, just graduated college, and we were talking about giving uh, in a counseling session, and I was asking about this, and he said, my plan is to make as much money in my life as possible, and then uh, I want to pay off debt, I want to buy the house that I want, I want to buy the cabin that I want, I want to buy the cars that I want, I want to set myself up in retirement, I want to do everything, and then when I'm at the top of my earning potential, at age 55 or so, when when I've done all these other things, then I'll start being generous. What's the problem with that idea? You got to practice. 
Because to think that you're going to spend your whole life setting up yourself, focusing on yourself, focusing on your needs, buying what you want, and then get to the end of your life and say, now I'm going to be generous, I think is a foolish idea. Because you spent your whole life practicing that who's number one? I am. My needs are most important. I can only trust and depend on myself. So I think this idea of practice, especially in the area of our money and giving, is absolutely crucial in our discipleship. Giving is the antidote to ourselves and our consumeristic culture. Giving is the antidote to ourselves and our consumeristic culture. When you give, you are trusting. You are saying, it is not all about my needs. You are saying, everything is God's, and I'm doing my part to give back to God. I'm going to trust him. I'm going to depend on him. It's going to bring me into this relationship where I'm giving, I'm receiving. And giving is also an antidote to our consumeristic culture. A culture that is constantly trying to sell you something. And we get to decide whether we're going to buy it or not. It's constantly saying, your life isn't complete until you get... This would make your life better. Are you depressed? Are you down? Instead of running to Jesus, go ahead and buy something. It'll instantly make you feel better for about five minutes until that feeling wears off. Giving is an antidote to ourselves, to our own ego, and it's the antidote to our consumeristic culture that we live in. And as we follow Christ, I think this is one of the key areas for us to grow in as disciples. The computer agrees with me. Now here's a question. What do I give? Say you've come to this place where you're like, man, I've been convicted over the last weeks. I feel like Jesus is leading me to a place to give. Uh, I uh, recognize that, that I need to give in order to honor God. I need to trust God. I need to enter in this relationship with God. It's all God's anyway, so I need to joyfully just give, be a part of the kingdom of God in this way. And the question is, what do I give? Does anybody have that question? I have this conversation all the time. Not with you guys, but with other people outside our church. Uh, they feel safe talking to me about it. But it's this, it's this question. Do I tithe or what else? And so I just wanted to ask the question and share a couple things about that. After my notes, uh, refresh right here. <laughs> this is great. All right. So, Old Testament, tithing. New Testament, generosity. 
I often get the question, the Old Testament is, is sort of a tithing thing. Do we need to tithe? Or what does the New Testament call us to in terms of generosity? Here's a very brief flyover. The practice of tithing trained the Israelites to remember who was first in their lives. Realizing that God provided the entire 100%. So there's what we've been talking about. David's prayer from last week. God, you own everything. Everything I have is because of you. It all came from you, God. So I'm, it's generating this, uh, gen- this life of gratitude. In this reliance and dependence and this open-handed living. So the Israelites, realizing that God provided the entire 100%, gave the first 10% that was given to them. Any income they earned from their land, from their crops, from what they did for a living, it was all uh, given, the first 10% given to God slash the temple. And then there were other various offerings in there for festivals and and farmers when they farmed their fields, they were supposed to leave the edge of their fields unharvested so that when strangers came from other lands, they could find food there. So some would say that the tithe of the Old Testament really was about 20 to 28% of their income if you add all the things up. And this was interesting because the tithe was commanded. See, uh, in the Old Testament, we observe Abraham and Jacob offered a tithe to God in Genesis 14 and 28. The Israelites were also commanded to tithe from what they earned. Leviticus 27.30, Numbers 18.25-28, Deuteronomy 14.22-24, Second Chronicles 31.5-6. I know you have all those memorized, so just download them in your mind. But they all have one thing. It's commanding Israel to tithe. Now the Old Testament tithe was interesting because it was tied up in the fact that God was the head of this nation. And so part of their tithe went to the temple to run the temple. Part of their tithe went to the communities. Part of their tithe went to these festivals. So it's a little different than our current context and scenario. Some would even say the tithe of the Old Testament was similar to a tax. And often through the story of the Old Testament, you see God calling his people back to give. Because so often the prophets came to preach to invite the people back. And it was often because they weren't living rightly in the eyes of God. See, there was no denying that everything came from God. And as a result, in the Old Testament, the Israelites' giving was ingrained in their relationship with God. We didn't, they did not give appropriate, their faith suffered. 
It wasn't a forced situation. Instead, their faith and giving were so intertwined. It wasn't really about the giving. It was about the relationship. So, as you follow Jesus, are you supposed to give 10%? Don't answer that. The New Testament, the talk of money and finances starts to shift a little bit. See, the tithe is no longer commanded for the nation of Israel in the temple. But Jesus and the New Testament writers start to take the topic of money and the topic of giving and starts to shift a little bit. And their background absolutely was still tithing. But you find Jesus, especially Jesus, start to attack weightier manners that have to do with money. Like your heart. Your soul. How you are giving. Your motives behind giving. Your motives behind money first and foremost. See, Jesus starts to elevate this conversation as he always does in the New Testament. Especially in the Sermon on the Mount. You say this, well, I'm going to tell you this. And it seems like Jesus is focusing on their hearts. And your relationship with money and your relationship with God. And he starts to talk about more of a generous life. Turn with me to Acts chapter 4. Throughout the book of Acts, we see uh, the early church beginning. We see the birth of the early church. And we covered Acts chapter 2. We've covered that plenty of times. When the early church Pentecost happens, the Holy Spirit comes. And then the believers start living life in community, start preaching the word. And the hallmark of what it meant to be a Christian in the early church is generosity. And I'm absolutely convinced that this was one of those countercultural things that everybody looked at the early church and went, whoa, what are they doing? Like they're eating together, they're praying together, they're supporting each other. If someone has a need, the church is going, hey, we got you covered. Don't worry. And as a result, thousands and thousands of people were added to the early church daily. And one of the hallmarks was this generous life. In Acts chapter 4, we we see again this generous life in the church in verse 32. All the believers were in one heart and one mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own. Just, Just think about that a little bit. I'm not even sure this is possible in our day and age, right? But just think about that for a little bit. What if? I mean, what if you looked at your own possessions, and as a result from last week's sermon, first and foremost, you said, none of this is mine, it's all God's. That would be revolutionary in itself. 
and would be absolutely life-transforming. But then as a community, to sit here and go, man, nothing I have is my own. We get to share these resources. None of their possessions were their own, but they shared everything they had with great power. The apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. And it goes on to say from time to time there was a need and someone would sell land to provide for that need. Like generosity, a generous heart was the hallmark of the early church. It was just something they did. And I believe, think about it. They came from a culture that was about tithing. They said, I'm giving 10%, it's all God's. And then Jesus came on the scene gave his life, gave his spirit, and started working so powerfully in their midst that I think 10% was just the baseline. And all of a sudden it became this life. Jesus gave everything, so I'm going to give everything. These are challenging verses. And like I said, I'm not even sure it's possible to live this way in this day and age. But I read these verses and I am amazed at the early believers as they followed Jesus. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians 9. These, for me, shape my idea of what it looks like to be generous. And I'm already running out of time, so this is great. In 1 Corinthians, or 2 Corinthians chapter 9, we see Paul. <laughs> Sorry. <clears throat> Puberty. We see Paul <laughs> uh, talking about the Corinthian church, and he's bragging about their generosity. And we're going to shortchange this just a little bit, but you can go read it on your own. And he says this, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. God is able to bless you abundantly in all things at all times, having all that you need. You will abound in every good work. So to quickly answer this question, what should I give as I follow Jesus? I'm not even going to tackle who should I give it to. What should I give as I follow Jesus as a practice, a spiritual practice in my life to tune my heart to who God is, to tune my heart to the realization that it's all God's to begin with, to tune my heart, fill it with gratitude and open-handed living. Well, 2 Corinthians tells us, Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give. He's saying, pray about it. And then give. And why should you give? 
Because God is able to bless you abundantly in all things, at all times, having all that you need. There goes this idea that everything of God's and he will take care of you. He then goes on to say that God loves a cheerful giver. It shouldn't be under compulsion. It shouldn't be because you feel guilty or you feel like you should. It should be because you've spent time with Jesus. Your life is transformed by Jesus. And as a result of that, as a result of all that Jesus has done, you are living with open hands, able to give and receive. And live in a place where you want to partner with Jesus in witnessing the kingdom of God. So the question we wrestle with, what should I give? The answer is pray about it and do what Jesus tells you to do. And then the next thing I would add is give so that you feel it. I give so that I feel it. I notice it. Because it helps my discipleship. Give so you feel it. Pray about it and give what Jesus calls you to give. Now here's where we take a turn and we take this practice and make it an invitation step. All along this series we've been talking about this 90-day challenge. This challenge for the summer, that's a 90-day challenge. In front of you there are cards. Somebody wrote, Jesus loves you. Have a good sermon. Thank you, whoever did that. In front of you, there are 90-day giving challenge cards. Now, this is our action step, our practice step for starting to tune our hearts to give and become people that are generous because we serve and follow a generous Savior. And this is our action step, a 90-day giving challenge for the summer. We have a video from Garrett. Garrett is our uh, financial team lead, and it's an update video from this last January when we held the annual meeting. In the annual meeting, we approved a budget, and we've been shy of that budget. So that's what this action step of the 90-day giving challenge is all about. So Garrett is going to explain a little more in this short video. Hey church, I'm Garrett, one of the many volunteers here at Renew and the head of our finance team. As we begin the 90-day challenge, I want to give an update on our finances. Many of you joined us earlier this year at our annual meeting and unanimously approved our 2022 operating budget. Part of that approval was an understanding that we wanted to grow into a budget that could support Renew as it led more people to Jesus. So, how are we doing? Well, God continues to bless Renew and our finances have remained stable, but we're not meeting our budget goals. And to do that, we need to raise about $2,000 a month in new giving. Coming up short means that we lack the resources to fuel our ministries like we want to. In particular, it's meant a crunch in two areas, benefits for our lead pastor role and a fully funded ministry budget. First, our lead pastor. 
Truthfully, we've struggled to fund this item for a while now. We're not able to fund health care and retirement for Jamie and his family to the level that we should. And while this is a symptom of being a young church, the finance team and the lead team feel called to support our lead pastor role in this way. Jamie's blessed all of us immensely. We can and should bless him. Second is fully funding our ministry budget. This includes support for our kids and youth ministry, hospitality team, and outreach in the community. These activities are critical to living out our mission. So during this 90-day challenge, we invite you to prayerfully consider your giving to Renew. You may be called to increase your recurring giving, make a one-time gift, or take that first step to commit to giving for the first time. All gifts, big and small, help, but more importantly, giving is one of the most powerful ways that God disciples us. The practice of giving teaches us to be joyful stewards of God's resources and generously partner with Him. Your giving fuels the vision for our church to be for Jesus, for people, and for our city. We can't wait to see what God is going to do at Renew during the 90-day challenge. In looking at this series, I wanted to talk about generosity and what it means to follow Jesus and our discipleship. It also has implications for us as a church. This is a catalyst for action on our part. To grow in our discipleship, to grow in our dependence in Christ. And we want to present the need. And I want you to know this is about way more than just having a fully funded budget. See, we present the need and Jesus shows up and provides. And we're content with what he provides. All through our church's life, this has been the scenario. We make the need known and Jesus provides. And then we live content lives in what Jesus provides. See, fully funded ministry budgets are a small thing in the eyes of Jesus. This is also about our hearts. It's also about our faith. It's also about our worship with our entire life of Jesus. And so we want to invite you to the 90-day giving challenge. You can take a card with you, pray about it. Uh, you can go to our website, uh, renew.church slash the hub, and scroll down to join the 90-day giving challenge. But basically, this card is an invitation. And wherever you're at, you can take a step on this card. If you're not giving and you want to start giving, there is a place for that. If you're giving regularly, I currently give, but I don't give regularly. There's a place for that to make this part of an ongoing practice of your life. There's a place where you're saying, you know, God's blessed me. I think God is calling me joyfully to give more. There is a place for that. And then there's a place to commit to, I want 10% to be my baseline of giving. This is what I and Emily live by. This is what the other leaders of Renew Church have committed themselves to, to have the baseline of tithing.
It's about a fully funded ministry budget, but it's not about a fully funded ministry budget. It's about our hearts. It's about our faith, and it's about our worship. We are called to live generous lives because we serve a generous God that calls us to be stewards of the resources that he blesses us with and partner with him in witnessing the kingdom of God here on earth. And the 90-Day Giving Challenge will be sending out a weekly email with encouragements. So, here's the invitation. Pray about it. What's God calling you to? Let's pray as the worship team comes up. Jesus, I pray in our journey of following you that you continue to transform our hearts. that you continue to make us generous people because you are generous. Make us generous people because we are in relationship with you. And Jesus, I pray wherever we're at in our giving, whether you're calling us to increase our giving to the church or to somewhere else in the world. Your kingdom is vast. Your kingdom is large. And Jesus, I pray that whatever you call us to, we would take that step of faith to be obedient, to follow, to trust. and to be a steward of your resources. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.